morning, Victory Church. If you're excited to be in the house, put your hands together, make some noise. Come on. Online. We're so glad you're here as well. Man, we got folks tuning in today from Ethiopia, Thailand, and Italy. Come on, somebody. We're so glad you guys are here apart. Uh, my name is Curvin. I have the privilege of overseeing the youth and young adult ministry here at Victory Church. I'm joined by my wife, Candace. Y'all make some noise for my boo thing, please. <laughs> and um, uh, it's, it's, it's really an honor to be able to be a part of the fourth installment, I believe, of the Family-ish series. And today we're joined with some incredible friends that we're going to introduce in just a few moments. Uh, but today we're talking about parenting. Somebody say, uh-oh. <laughs> we're talking about parenting. And uh, what we want to do, we, we, we really want to just say this right off the cuff, that listen, we're not considering ourselves experts up here. Listen, I'm not Dr. Phil, okay? <laughs> My wife is not Oprah, okay? We wish we had all their money, but that, that's not us. All right, so today we're talking about parenting from just real-life experiences. Uh, we're still raising children ourselves, and this is a journey that we're all on, and we want to just look to the Word of God and to gain wisdom from the Scripture and also, we want to speak, we, we do realize that in this room and joining us online that there are many different dynamics to the family institution, you know. Uh, there's not just the traditional family unit, if I could use that language, but man, listen, there are single moms, right? There are fathers that are raising children uh, by themselves, and then there's also blended families. So there's some dynamic there that we want to address and speak to. We also realize there's some of y'all that, you know, you're single, you don't have kids yet, or maybe you're married without kids. I just want to ask that no one tune out, because I believe that there's truth today that can impact our lives as we move forward. And I know this much. No matter what the family dynamic may look like for you personally, I believe that as we look to the Word of God, we can find instruction and wisdom for any family dynamic to help us raise godly men and women. Do y'all believe that? Yeah. Amen. That's good. In fact, in Psalms 127 verse 4, it says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. I love that imagery. We as parents get the privilege of propelling our children into their purpose. Right. And that is something that we should not take lightly. Right. So we have to remember that we're raising adults, not just 13-year-olds. Let that sink in for one minute. That's scary. Yeah, very scary. That 15-year-old will be a grown-up one day making decisions for themselves. Wow. And I don't know about y'all, but we are trying to raise godly men and women who yes, are Lord. kind and who actually love Jesus. Okay, how many of y'all know there are enough rude people in the world today? <laughs> and so we're not trying to add to that quota. Yeah, absolutely right? not. So the question is not, are we parenting the right way, but rather, am I the adult that I want my child to become? You hear that? Man, don't, don't elbow nobody. Listen. <laughs> so here's the deal, man. Over the last few weeks, uh, we've spoken to several families, again, different family dynamics, and we've collected some great questions. And so we, we're going to dive into these topics today. And without further ado, I do want to go ahead and introduce our panelists uh, here to my far left, your far right. We have our marriage pastors, Matt and Angel Rigsby. Come on. Yeah. And then right here in the center, we have our friends, uh, our men's pastor, Pastor Aaron, his wife, Natalie. Come on. <laughs> Natalie serves on our Stratcom team. She's incredible. Incredible uh, parents, 
uh, married folks, like this is like the powerhouse duo. It's an honor to be up here with you guys. And uh, I, I want to just dive in today uh, with something a little, a little more lighthearted to give our friends some hope uh, because we were all children and teenagers at some point, right? Um, and so we did not always love Jesus. And we did some crazy foolishness at some point in our lives. So I wonder if there are any stories maybe from your childhood or as a teenager that any of you uh, would, would like to share. How about you, Angel? Okay, so I was four years old, and I was a quite rebellious four-year-old, okay? Um, I didn't really have the teenage crazies, but okay. I did, actually. I just, I can't think of any stories. But um, so I was kind of a tomboy at four years old, went outside, picked up a pretty sizable rock, brought it in, and my mom, knowing that I like to throw things, she said, don't throw the rock in the house. Well, of course, what do you do when somebody says not to do something? You throw it, and or you, you do it. And so I threw the rock, but the rock hit my great-grandmother's crystal vase. Oh. Yeah. And so, um, you know, there, you know, you can forgive, but sometimes you don't forget. And I know my mom never forgot. I hope she forgave me, but I know she never forgot because even up into my adulthood, like she will look at me and be like, I tried. I tried <laughs> gluing a crystal vase and it did not work. Oh my gosh. And you know the saying, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Now I have a four-year-old little boy who likes to throw rocks. In fact, as we were pulling up today, he found a rock in the, in the parking lot. Who finds rocks in the parking lot, right? There's a rock in the parking lot and he went for it, you know, so, so the apple doesn't right. fall far from the tree. It's like the sins of the fathers, right? <laughs> How about you, Matt? That's true. Um, so I may have gotten into a car chase with my vice principal. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with you, bro? So, hey, we were just having fun. So I was out with my buddies uh, late one night, and we saw this car pass us, and it was the vice principal, and one of them says, hey, let's follow him. So I turned the car around, and we, we, start, we start this Chase. Well, it hasn't become a chase yet, but we start this pursuit. And after about three turns, he realizes something's up. And he starts to go a little faster. But when he hit that fourth turn, it was on. It became a chase at that point. And he was, he was flying down, making cuts and, and, and turning here and there. And he went down an alley about 60 miles an hour. But you know what? We were right on him. We were not going to lose him. And uh, so, Mr. Fee, if you're watching, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Please forgive me for terrifying you that day. But, uh, yeah, that was honestly a lot of fun. <laughs> That's awesome, Matt. Um, so the story I selected is one of my safer ones, actually. But um, I remember being grounded, and apparently I kept taking my car when I was grounded. So my mom put a club on it. If you guys remember the club, you know... And those things are really sturdy. Like, they don't come off very easily. But um, I went into the garage, got the power tools, and I'm trying to drill off the club. The only thing I succeeded in doing was putting a hole in the steering wheel. And I was just trying to come see my very first girlfriend. And, but anyway, so that was, uh, that was me. Couldn't get into the car. Man. Yeah, the club. Okay, so my father is kind of a big dude. He's about 
6'2 or so. And whenever I would get in trouble, he would take my door off. And so I was about 17, and we were arguing about taking my door off. He had all his tools. He was ready. I was angry. And I just felt the heat rising and rising. And I felt like I kind of blacked out for a moment. Well, I swung on my father. No! He spun around, hit the bed, and I hit the door. I was like, I'm out. Because if I don't leave right now, I'm going to die. I didn't even come back until the next morning because I knew. Yeah. I knew. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That is crazy. Does that sound familiar? I knew, I remember, I knew you were going to say that. I know someone else who used to have their door removed when they were young. I was a troubled teen, okay? I had issues. So my wife, we've known each other since six years old. So, like, we have all the dirt on each other. So We will not be sharing all of it this morning, no, however. No, we're going to talk about that bathroom you set on fire when you were a whole bathroom. Okay, get your facts straight. It was not a whole bathroom, just one trash can. Just one trash can. I'm married to pyromaniac, y'all. Okay. Anyways, anyways, I think we should get into what we're actually talking about before he tells more embarrassing stories. So let's talk about unity this morning. We know that unity is important to God and to the body. Um, the Bible says in Psalms 133, verse 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. I believe that that same principle applies even more so to the body. You know, whether we are in, um, both parents are in the house, a single parent situation, or even a blended family, unity is important. Right. But let's be honest, that's a lot easier to say than to actually do. Right. So I would love to talk about what unity looks like for you guys. If you want to start, Matt and Angel. So Jesus said to build your house on the rock. And the rock is Jesus and the word of God, right? And so you have to build your house on him. You have to build your house on the word of God. Right. And it's, it's, it's interesting because if, if two people are reading the same Bible— and they're believing it, and they're building their house on it, then that's what they're gonna, that's, that's how they're gonna raise their children, right? And that's what we try to do. We, we, we live our lives according to the word of God, and it helps us to be more like-minded. And that, that really creates unity with us. And um, the other thing is, I know that the, if my husband needs respect and honor in the home, which as parents, we need respect and honor, right? Our children need to honor us and respect us. But it's my job as the wife in the home to honor and respect my husband. And so I set the stage. I set that example for the children. And then there's times that I don't do very good setting that example. And I might say something or have a bad attitude, but... I also know that I have to be quick to repent. And when I repent, I will repent in front of the children if I've said so something good. in front of the kids. You know so what I'm saying? Um, because I am not perfect. Absolutely. And, and I do the same thing for her too. So whenever, yeah, you, you can clap for that. <laughs> yeah, go for that. And I have to do the same thing in where maybe our children are, are disrespecting my wife that I'm going to protect her and guard her as well. And so we want to make sure that we are, there's a spirit of honor and respect in our home. But I think um, practically some of the things that we do is really communicate. We're communicating a lot. We are, number one, when we're talking to our children, it's usually not one of us just speaking to our kids. We're both coming together so that we're a united front and we're speaking the same thing. And if my wife says something, I'm supporting that 
she's supporting what I'm saying. Um, and then there's our, there are times where, you know, we're just praying for our kids. We're praying and hearing God's voice about the things that we don't see, those blind spots in their life that we don't know what's going on, right. that God puts his finger on and says, hey, your, your child may be dealing with this or that. Mm. And we have to, to, to keep an eye on that. Yeah. And then uh, vision. We have a vision for our family. And so, uh, you know, if you have two different visions, you have die vision, you're going and, you know, and that allows the enemy in. That's right. So for us, we have vision for our family. So if we see our kids begin to go a different direction than where we're trying to guide them, mm-hmm. we have to step in right. and help direct them in that way. And we do that together. So, so good. How about you guys? Do you have any insight to share? Yeah. Well, um, so Natalie and I are a blended family and, um, I think going into that, I'm, re- I'm reminded of Romans 12, 18. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So the, the good part was we were friends before we got married. You had been previously married, and I knew Lily a little bit already. And so as your friend, I had a, a relationship with her. But then when I became her, her stepfather, I had to sit down with her and say, hey, you know, Lily, what do you want to call me? And how is our relationship going to look? And what kind of things do you like? What are we going to do together? And had to build our own relationship. And so it's easy to make your identity be your blended family. Well, we're a blended family and we're gonna be weird and we gotta figure out how this is gonna work. Instead of just saying, hey, any kind of family, you don't just accept the fact that you're lumped together. You build relationships with each person in your family. So good. You, you just can't say, hey, well, you know, you're my son, so this is the way it's gonna be. So you have to spend time learning who they are, what they like, making sure that you have an open line of communication, that they see you uh, as someone they can come to, not just as this figure taking a position. And so one of the things I did is um, with Natalie's ex-husband, when we got engaged, I sat down with him and had coffee, and we talked about, hey, man, so we're both raising your little girl. What is that going to look like? And what's important to you and what's important to me? And I know that this is a non-negotiable. She has to follow Jesus. And so if you're doing that from your point of view and I'm doing it from my point of view, then we're going to help her get to where God's called her to be. So that was very, very important. So good. You know, the other part is it's hard enough just to raise kids normally. We also have our, our youngest daughter as well. But then when you add in, you know, uh, biological parents, step-parents, everything else, it's very important that you have uh, things like a joint calendar that you all can see, um, that you have a group chat, like a WhatsApp, where we can all talk to each other. It used to be just the two of them. Now I'm, I'm on it as well, so we can all communicate. And here's the most important part. Um, you cannot speak bad about their biological parent. Mm. Like, you can't. Even if they're wilding out, right? No, because, no matter what they're doing. Because here's the thing. Um, I'm, you know, my parents got divorced when I was a teenager. And neither one of them spoke ill of each other. I don't, I don't remember them doing that. And the thing is, 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 here's why. One, you're modeling behavior to your kids. Two, that's half of their identity as well. So when you're speaking bad about them, what are you saying about the, your child? Wow. And it doesn't matter what his behavior is. I'm calling out the worst in you. And, they're, and you're like, now who am I? Because my father is this or my mother is this. And so you're teaching them how to relate to each other. You're teaching them how to respect people. And you're calling out the good in them. So that's incredibly important that you don't speak bad of each other. That you don't make your child have to choose between them or you. And that you can actually say, hey, this was not your choice what happened here. We're going to make this a safe place for you. And we're not going to make it illegal for you to love your parents. So, so good. And then the last thing I'm going to add on that is just, okay, one more thing. <laughs> it's just that there, as a stepchild, you have to go above and beyond what you would do for your other kids 
to uh, reinforce their identity because the enemy's gonna try to get in there and tell them lies about who they are and why they're in this situation. So you have to go above and beyond and affirm who they are, your love for them, their place in this family, all that stuff. That's so good. I'm reminded in Deuteronomy 31, eight, where it talks about uh, in the Lord, uh, he is the one who goes before you. Uh, he will not forsake you. He will not leave you. Um, do not fear or be dismayed. And as a single mother, let me tell you, because I was a single mother for a period of time, there's this weight that shifts onto you when you uh, become a single parent. You feel like you have to do it all. Um, you feel like it's up to me. And so uh, there was this shift, and I remember it very distinctly when I went, and it was a time of prayer I was having where God said, stop saying I have to do it all and shift the weight to me as your God. And so um, in my season of singleness, I had to build my faith. I'll be honest, um, when my relationship fell apart, it broke my faith. It broke it. And the foundation that I thought I was on uh, shattered. And that was honestly a good thing because I, th I had this thought that I'm serving in church. I'm quote, doing all the right things. I'm checking all the boxes. God, why would you let this happen to me? Why would you allow me to go through this? I feel ashamed. I feel embarrassed. All of these things. And I just remember the Lord saying, it's not about how you feel. It's about where I'm taking you. And so when I rebuilt my faith, it was on that rock that you were talking about earlier, Angel. And so Part of what I had to do, and we all have to do this if you've had a loss in your life, you have to mourn the loss of the dreams and visions that you thought were gonna come to pass, and you have to step into this understanding that you may be operating in a victim mentality, I know I was, a poverty mentality or a scarcity mentality, and it's the idea that we have to step out of those mentalities and start understanding the identity of who God has called us to be. And when we do that, what happens is we shift into a place of faith, yeah. we shift into right. a place of, of trusting God for, for your daily bread, honestly. I can remember times where I was praying to the Lord. I went from two incomes, as you know, to one, and I didn't know how the ends were gonna meet. I had all the debt. I had the credit card debt, the car payment. I had the house payment. I had it all. And I remember just crying out to the Lord and saying, Father, I will cut these credit cards up. I will make a covenant with you if you help me not to ever be in this situation like that again. And I did, and I prayed this bold prayer. Father, would you replace the lost income? And I remember I was sitting at my desk, a recruiter called, and they said, um, hey, we want to interview you for this position. I'm like, how did you find me? Ended up going through the whole process, and they offered me the job, and it was a literal replacement of what I was wow. praying for. Love it. Yeah. So, so be in unity with God. Um, you know, you may be listening and saying, that's not my situation. I don't have anybody else to be in unity with. Yes, you do. Uh, we want to be in unity with the Lord. We want to be in unity with what he's saying. And it starts with Psalms 55, 22, which says, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. So remind him of that. Even if you're in a, in a single parent situation, continue to remind God of his word. That's so good. Be in unity with God. That's huge. Thank you so much, guys. So um, we all know what the word says. Uh, probably one of the most famous scriptures quoted about parenting our children is, you train a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. And uh, so we take that scripture, and what do we do is, as parents and spiritual leaders? We instill we pour into our students and our young people and we, we, we pray over them and we lay hands on them. Uh, but at the end of the day, we still got to drop them off at school. 
okay. <laughs> at the end of the day, we still got to drop them off at practice and these extracurricular activities and events where they're exposed to God knows what. And the reality is this, man, that these kids cannot be around us 24-7. I don't even know if we want them around us 24-7. <laughs> don't tell them I said that. But here's the deal, man. It is our job as parents, it is our job to steward the time that we do have with our children and to drive them towards the purposes that God is calling them to. And so for that to happen, it's imperative that we teach our children how to hear from God for themselves. It's important that we're teaching them how to rightfully divide the word of God, how to hear from God, and how to discern what is good and pleasing to him. And that's challenging. It's very, very challenging. So, um, so Matt and Angel, do you guys want to share a little bit about how you navigate that in your own household with your kids? So our almost 16-year-old, um, if you know Judah, he's going to be 16 on Wednesday, so... Go say happy birthday to him. Woo woo. Yeah, don't let him, don't let him slip by. You got to say happy birthday to him. Bombard him. No, I'm just kidding. Um, when he was four years old, he actually heard the voice of God for the first time. And we knew that he had heard the voice of God because it was just, it, everything lined up. And we were like, oh my gosh, he heard the voice of God. And even driving in this morning, he actually said to us, hey, yeah, God spoke to me about something last night. And so it's just evident that, the, the Lord speaks to him. He's had seasons, I'll say it like that. There's been seasons where he might not have heard the voice of God as loudly and, um, and everything. But, um, but I went to Judah and I actually asked him, like, what did dad and I do to teach you how to hear the voice of God? And of course, typical teenage answer, I don't know. You know, facts. And, uh, but then he stopped and he went a little deeper and he goes, well, I guess you guys just taught me how to pray. And I, he goes, I, I don't know. I guess you just, it's just, it's just what we do. Mm. It, it, we just love Jesus. And you guys have just taught me how to love Jesus because that's what we do. And so I stepped back and I thought, hmm, really it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that we have lived. So good. Yeah. That's it, that's it. It really is. It's, it's, there's not like methods to this. It is a lifestyle. It's what we do. And I think about Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 8. And it says this, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. And for us, you know, we aren't just praying when we eat or when we put our kids to bed or when there's a crisis going on in our lives. Prayer is an everyday part of our life. Seeking God is an everyday part of our life as a family. And so this is what we do with one another. And so in that, we teach our children, hey, there are different ways that God speaks to you. You know, he doesn't just speak to your, to your heart, but he also speaks through his word and through other people and things like that. And so in that, we encourage our kids to do SOAP. To, and, and they do soap with us at times, by themselves and with their, with their friends. And so they're in the word of God seeking to hear, hear the Lord. And there's an interesting correlation between John the Baptist and us as parents. I know it sounds a little funny, right? But it's true. Just study the life of John the Baptist. What was his purpose here on earth? His purpose was to prepare the way of the Lord. He came to set the stage for Jesus. And that's our job as parents is to set the stage for Jesus. But something else that John the Baptist said is, I need to get 
become less so that Jesus can become greater. And that's our job as parents as well. And I, I remember I met with a mentor one time and, um, and I said to her, I said, my goal is that my children will serve Jesus for the rest of their lives. And she looked at me and she goes, that cannot be your goal. I know, right? I was like, excuse me? And um, I'm like, I thought that was a pretty godly goal, right? She goes, that can't be your goal. That has to be their goal. She said, your job as a parent is there's God, there's you, and there's your child. And what happens is you foster and you nurture when they're younger, right? right. You teach them who Jesus is. You, like like we're talking, you, you make it your lifestyle, but then as they get older, hopefully they are coming into a place where they're in relationship with Jesus and they're right. falling in love with Jesus themselves. So and so we kind of come out of that place mm-hmm. and then God and that child come closer together and they're touching so, and they fall in love with Jesus. So good, so good. You know, as parents, if we want our children to, to hear the voice of God, we have to be hearing the voice of God. Yeah. Ooh, you better say that. You know, and it's through our own experiences of hearing God's voice and sharing those experiences with our children that it, it, it sparks something inside of them. Yeah. You know, to tell them, hey, this is what the Lord told me, and look what happened. Yeah. Isn't God so good? Right. And to have those moments that we share with them, and it stirs something in their spirit. And uh, I, lo- I love the quote. It says that um, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. Yeah. Mm. And that's how it is with our kids. Yeah. We can try to teach them all the things that we know, but we're going to reproduce who we are in them. And that's what we're doing. And so our heart, our heart and our hope is to train our kids to hear God's voice, but not just that, that they can hear God's voice, but that God hears them as well. And we had a, and we had a really cool experience with this just a couple of months ago with our 12-year-old son. I was on our way to taking him to the basketball game. And he said, he said, Dad, it would be so cool if I hit a buzzer beater. I thought, dude, that would be awesome. That would be really, really cool. I said, um, well, hey, let's just pray and let's just ask the Lord. And so my prayer was, Father, I, I ask that Micah would have such an amazing experience in this basketball game today that he would share it with his children and with his children's children. Wow. We got to the game and I got a quick video of what happened. He will never forget that. He knows that God loves him. Come on. He knows that God hears his prayers. Come on. That's right. And he draws closer to the Lord. So we are praying for our kids. We pray for our kids every day. And we're praying that they are hearing the voice of God and that they are being obedient to the voice of God and that they're doers of the words, not That's just right. hearers. That's right. And what's so dope is that, like, you, you created that moment. Yeah. You made that space, you know, to allow God to show up and show off and do his thing. And, and I think we all should do that. We should be looking for those opportunities in, in our day, in our routine, to find moments to just point to God and uh, let him do his thing. And, you know, so speaking, so something that my wife and I have recently um, begun implementing is soap. And you mentioned it. Not like soap, like take a bath, but like. <laughs> it's, yeah, that, that too. Yeah, that too, that too. That's helpful. <laughs> Teenagers, they stink. Um <laughs> But uh, SOAP, it's an acronym. It's an acronym, right? Is that? Yeah. yeah. S stands for scripture. O is for observation. A is for application. P is for prayer. 
all right? So here at Victory Church in our staff meetings, every staff meeting we do soap before we, before we talk any business. And so every morning before we take our middle uh, school middle schooler. I don't know why I called her a middle schooler. That's weird. She's my child. Before we take our child daughter, to, to our school, daughter. Our daughter, yeah. Before we take our daughter to school, we do soap with her. We sit down, we read a whole chapter, we, five verses, five verses, five verses. Then we observe, what is God saying? How does this apply to you, baby girl, in your life and where you're at? We take turns and we pray over each other. That is a very simple discipleship tool that we want to encourage you to utilize husband and wife, homie and your other homie <laughs> with your kids. Like it is a very simple tool that it's really helping our daughter to understand how to read the word and how to apply it to her own life. Yeah, exactly. It's been a game changer for us because the goal is we want our children to know how to read the word, interpret it, and to apply it on their own, not just depending on us to do it. Because let's be honest, there are lots of things that are fighting for the attention and the affection of our children. That's right. We can personally identify with this because we're pastoring teenagers while raising one. So pray for us, please. Jesus. Um, but there is a topic that comes up in our house all the time. It's the conversation about devices, social media, and digital exposure. And it seems like this conversation is never ending. Yeah, can we talk about that real quick, y'all? Let's yeah. talk about it. So uh, again, we're not parenting gurus up here, okay? <laughs> so what we're not gonna do is say, you know, giving your kid a device is wrong, it's right, you should, you shouldn't. That's not our place to do that. What we are challenging you to do as parents, however, is to be like the men of Issachar. So in the book of Chronicles, the first uh, book of Chronicles, these men are noted, the Bible says this, that the men of Issachar were men who understood the signs of the times they understood what was going on, and they knew the best course for Israel to take. Can I tell you something, my friends? We've got to be aware of what society is feeding our children. Yeah. And then at that point, once we're aware uh, and our thumb is on the pulse of what's happening, it is our job as, as parents and as spiritual leaders to draw up those boundaries separating the sacred from the secular. Right? Listen, it's not up to YouTubers or bloggers. It's not up to anyone in this anti-God society to draw those boundaries. It is our responsibility to draw those boundaries. And listen, and let me say this, and what I'm not saying we should do as parents is to create this bubble that we succumb our children to and, and, and don't give them any freedom to move outside of that bubble. There's a very, very stark difference between protecting our children and sheltering our children. Now, it, it, here's protecting your child. Protecting your child is saying, hey, that is a road. There are vehicles that go down this road at high speeds. Stay away from the road. If you go, don't do that. Don't go there. That's protecting your child. Sheltering your child is acting as if the road doesn't exist. Come on. Come and so often we treat our children as if they're not going to be exposed to what sex is. Or like they're not going to be exposed to the anti-God society that we live in. Listen, they're going to hear about it from us or they're going to hear about it in first period. So it's up to us to draw those boundaries, right? We got to have those conversations. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. So after you've talked about things, you've prayed about it, and you've set the standard in your home, you have to stick to it. I don't care what the world is saying. I don't care what society is saying is right or wrong, but... You have to do what you know is right to do. Like right. Joshua said, y'all can do what you want, but for me and my house, so we good. will serve the Lord. Come on. That's it. 
you know, personally, so we brought up the topic of devices. Our daughter is dying for a cell phone. She thinks that she just has to have one, and we just do not feel that she's ready. But since she started middle school this year, it's been a very challenging thing because all of her friends have devices. They all have cell phones. They're always on them. And even at school now, everything is dependent upon a phone, scanning a QR code. So it's been a challenge in, in our house and a pressure that we feel is coming at her from every angle. So the next thing I'd love to discuss with you guys is how do you handle um, this digital world that we live in, devices and exposure to all of these things in your home? Yeah, I would say the first thing is we know there's a lot of pressure. I mean, you kind of leaned right into that and talked about it. And so, you know, just because everybody else is doing it does not mean that our kids have to do it. And so we have to cut a different road as parents. But we know that there are long-term impacts when a kid gets a device in their hand at a very early age. As a matter of fact, there's a stat out there right now that says the average age that a child sees pornography is age eight. And I'm like, whoa, that's, that's, too, that's too ridiculous, it's too young. But you know, I even think about back when I was growing up, we didn't have cell phones. Um, but I was at my grandparents' house and I remember seeing something on TV that I shouldn't have seen for an eight-year-old. And my parents said, we need you to turn that off or we're gonna have to leave. My grandfather said, this is my house, you can go, and we did. Right. <laughs> so we promptly left. And so even... That moment and seeing what they, they did, it set something in me of like you get up and remove yourself from the situation when you're seeing something that you don't want to see. And so, you know, for our children, we can't say don't look at this, don't look at that without sharing with them the why. And so just the don't by itself is not meaningful. The why behind it is so important. And they're, they're seeking that from you. Well, why, why not? Why is that bad? So I think about 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, where it says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You you, each of you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And so we sit down and we talk about that. And there's actually this book, and I would love for you guys to order it on Amazon. It's called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And that's something that me and my kids, we sit down and we talk about this book. But there's something in there that says, turn, run, tell. So we teach our children to turn away. We teach them to get away. And then we teach them to come and tell us. And so I'm so proud of my kids when we're walking through the mall and they see like, you know, something over in the apartment sure they shouldn't see and their heads just turn and I'm like let me reinforce that real quick good job yes that's what that's right. we want you to do so and so but when you tell you're actually helping them process what they've seen so when I was eight nobody knew to process with me that I saw something I shouldn't have seen so the shame of seeing that set in and and that like something's wrong with me because I saw that and now I feel a certain way about it so we need to sit down with our kids and say have you ever seen something you shouldn't have seen? I know I have. Let me tell you what happened to me when I was eight. Now have you. And then you share your story. Let them share theirs. And you guys have a conversation because it's in these conversations that you're going to be able to bring healing to the things they've seen that they should never have seen as children. That's so, so good. So good. How about you, Matt? Yeah. Uh, you know, something I started with our kids when they were really young, probably four or five years old, I... Um, I told my boys, I said, hey, if you ever see anything on TV that is inappropriate, maybe it's a, a cheerleader on TV or a commercial that comes up that's inappropriate, I told them, hey, just look at your dad. Just look at me because I don't need to look at that either. And let's keep each other accountable. And so from a very young age, I was trying to teach my children to guard their eyes, 
The eyes are the gateway into the soul. And so I wanted them to begin to learn how to do that and do that properly. And so that's something that, that we brought in very early on. And it's so beautiful because what should we be doing just as human beings? We should be looking to God, our Father, right? When sin is coming around us, when sin is surrounding us, when sin is crouching at the door, we should be gazing at the eyes of God. Like we should be gazing on his beauty. So something else that we do with our boys is we say, we will put blocks on those devices, um, but we want you to be the biggest block. And that's been our heart's cry is that, that we will... Again, you know, make that lifestyle flourish. That relation, their, their their relationship with God will flourish to a point where they want to be the block, where they want to say no to that. And I think going back to what Natalie said, I think sharing your own stories, your own experiences, your own challenges and failures and temptations, and how you got victory over that, and that they can get victory as well in their life. Yeah, that's so huge. And I think um, you know, I love that you. I can't remember who it was, but one of y'all spoke about. Um, giving them the why behind the what. Because I know like the old school way of raising kids, I, I remember so many times my mama would tell me to do something. But mom, why? Because I said so. <laughs> Some of y'all be saying it still. Come on, we gotta do better. <laughs> because I said so, that's why. Don't make me ask again. But the reality is, man, um, I think that it's important to, 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 for our students, or for our young people, our children, to understand why because we want to live lives that honor God. Because we have a heavenly father, man, that we want to please. He's pleased with us and he's blessed us. And we want to live lives that make him famous and beautiful to the world around. I think that's important that our students understand the why behind the what. So, hey, we have just a few more minutes, y'all. But before we wrap up, um, I did want to take just a minute um, to speak to single parenting. Because that's a completely different dynamic. In fact, can we just make some noise for every single mama? Come on, every single father, hold it down. Come on, boo-boo, you making it happen. Yes. I want to take a minute, and so Natalie, you, you mentioned just a few moments ago that, you know, for a season, you, you, you lived that life. You know, you were holding it down, just yeah. making the ends meet, you know, by the grace of God. So um, talk to us about that. There may be single parents. I know that there are single parents yeah. in this room watching online. What would you say to them? Yeah, so as, as Kervin said, God bless you. If you are a single mom or dad in this room and, and you are living that single life, I know it can be, it can be very, very tough. Um, we talked earlier about shifting that weight from I have to do it all to God, I want you to take this and help me. And so I think about Psalm 68, five and six, where it says, God is a father to the fatherless, defender of the widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. So good. And I can only speak from my own personal experience, but I had that moment of like, I'm alone, now what? Um, maybe you've had that experience too and you're kind of living that out right now. And a lot of times, you know, um, and I have to just throw out a quick pet peeve. Uh, let's say you guys are married and your husband goes out of town. You are not single parenting for the week. <laughs> Don't tell me, oh, I'm a single parent this week. No, you're not. Because there's a weight that single parents have and they can't pass that weight on to anyone else, right? Or so we think. But we have to stop and say, when I'm, when I'm feeling the weight of being a single parent, I have to lift that weight and shift it to God. And so, you know, as a single parent, if you've gone through a breakup or a divorce, you may be dealing with all that emotional trauma, the sadness of dreams that have died. You may be dealing with a structure of, of 
you know, change in your support system or your provision. All these things are real. And we have to stop and just mourn those losses because those are real losses that we feel. We can't skirt by them. We have to deal with them. Otherwise, they're going to come up in other ways. But sometimes there's not this, I need 15 minutes. Can you take the kids? Because there's not that person there. And what I found in my season was getting in community was so critical for me because I could take that mask off and say, I'm not doing great today. I feel like I'm failing and I need help. I had people that could pray for me. I could be, had people that could help me with my child from time to time. My parents um, stepped in and helped in a big way in that season. And so I had to just open the doors and just say, hey, I can't do it all. I had to put on my oxygen mask first <laughs> if I was gonna help anybody else. And so there's something you know, that I think that God does in these seasons where that season took me so deep into prayer that I had to get a different vision for what my life needed to look like in this season. I had to ask God to heal me, to restore me, to renew my mind from from even just feeling like, God, why'd you let this happen? Like, why did you allow this? And so there was so much conversation I had to have with him as I kind of shifted my mentality and, and went through that healing journey. And so, you know, many times people will say, well, I don't have time to pray or I don't have time to get in a small group. I would argue, you don't have time not to. Um, it's those things that really become powerful for you in a season where you um, have shifted who's, you know, who's around you, who's, who's in your crew, so to speak. And so putting those people uh, alongside of you just becomes so impactful. I remember one day I was praying and the Lord just told me this. He said, you can either be pitiful or powerful, but it's really your choice. And, uh, preach. and so I had to step back and say, no, you're right. I've been pitiful long enough. It's time to start standing on the word of God. And so I would just encourage you, if you're having that pitiful season, it's okay. Get to the other side of it. It's time for you to be powerful. It's time for you to stand on God's word. That is so good. So good. Aaron, do you have any thoughts, my friend, to share? Yeah, you know, um, when Natalie and I got together, I can attest to the fact that it was, it was after your divorce and you were powerful. You were not a damsel in distress waiting for a night to come right again. You had already found your night, and he was providing for you. And, and so when we got together, there was a wholeness. I mean, not that you didn't have hurts, but there was a wholeness because you were established in him at that moment. And I was able to come alongside you and not have to, you know, we, we weren't struggling through. It was walking into a new season and health. So that was good. Um, I want to speak a moment as the, as the men's pastor of this church uh, I hear a lot of mothers call me, a lot of men call me struggling with I'm a single parent or I don't know how to raise my son or daughter this way. A lot of moms saying, you know, is there anyone that can pour into my kid? How do I do that? And then one, first of all, I want to say, you know, again, I was, um, my mom raised us by herself during our teenage years. And that was a, you know, a very pivotal time in our life. But what God did was he made up for that loss of my father not being around during that time. Uh, I had a Royal Rangers leader. If you ever heard of Royal Rangers, I got to grow up in that for a little bit. Uh, he invested in me, helped me kind of step into manhood in that time. I had three godly youth pastors at different seasons during my teenage years that really invested in me, poured into me, modeled what manhood is just by living it. And then I had two godly football coaches. So my point of saying all that is it took a whole village. It took a community of people to help me get there. But God will step in and replace what was lost. And so what we have to do is we have to give what we didn't get at times. We have to give what's lacking, and we have to be intentional about going to find that. So you have to ask yourself, well, what community is around me? What resources are around me? Um, you know, one, this church is, is very much our family. 
Like I can tell you, I call people in this church before I call my own family. This is my spiritual family. And so there are grandparents, there are uncles, there are aunts. So if you're saying here, well, this message doesn't apply to me. I don't have any kids. I'm not married. Yes, it does because we're a family here. And so you need to ask yourself, how can I step in to be an uncle or an aunt or a grandparent or a cousin to this family over here? And if you're going to bed at night and you still have a little gas left in the tank, then you didn't spend your day right. Mm. Right? I'm especially speaking to the men in the room because, listen, guys, it's not enough just for us to provide for our families. We, if we have anything left, God gave us strength, power, and influence to be a blessing to others. And so you're asking, well, how can I do that? Well, there's a lot of different things. One, for the moms and the families in our room, you can go to victoryatl.com. Uh, or actually go to connectvictory.com and find a way to get connected to a small group and plug in, and that can become family to you. And for the, for the men especially, I'm calling, out, I'm calling out men to invest in the next generation. Go to connectvictory.com slash serve, and you can sign up to serve in children's ministry, youth ministry, because listen, when you're in the room, it changes the entire atmosphere, men. You guys can attest this, absolutely. right? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, will you put your hands together for our panelists this morning? So, so good. So good. And you know, what you just said, you know, Pastor Aaron, every week my wife and I, we get those phone calls. Hey, I'm a single mom raising two boys. I need help. And so, which I love that, that picture you painted of the fact, the reality is that we are a spiritual family and we need spiritual mothers and fathers now more than ever before. And um, so again, I want to echo what Pastor Aaron just shared. Man, if you do not serve on a team, uh, kids ministry is phenomenal. Middle school, high school ministry is phenomenal. They're phenomenal opportunities to help make a difference in the lives of young people. And also for every parent, uh, we're very, very big here at Victory on resourcing our people. And if you go to victoryatl.com, click on the youth and young adult tab, we have a parent page that we've created with uh, podcasts, there's articles, book recommendations, and tons of resources to help you as you navigate these crazy, wild, torrential waters of raising teenagers. Amen? So, hey, as we wrap this time up together, um, I'm just reminded of, uh, of my teenage years, you know, and the, the times where I had my door taken off the hinges. <laughs> And um, the reality is this, every single one of us, we all have a story. And I'm just reminded of the years I spent as a young person just running from God. I wasn't always uh, on fire for God. In fact, there was a season of my life where I ran as hard and as fast as I could away from God. And um, I was raised in church my whole life. Like every time the church doors were open, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, every prayer meeting, every camp, I... My behind was in a church pew, all right? And, um, but the reality, though, is that as a young person, I'm talking to every young person here for, for a moment, you reach an age and you reach a moment where you have to decide whether you're gonna continue serving God because it's what you've simply been taught to do or whether you're gonna serve him because it's what you desire to do. All right, listen. I heard someone say this one time. It was good. It was kind of like that pitiful or powerful quote you shared. I heard someone say this one time. God doesn't have grandchildren. Come on. Your mama's faith or your daddy's faith or your grandma's faith is not enough to make you right with God. We have a decision to make. And parents, we have to foster them to that moment where that decision is made. Right? So here's the deal, man. When I was what, 12 years old, 12 years old, I decided that I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I'd heard all the gospel, sang all the songs. And man, I, I began smoking weed. 
popping prescription pills. Fast forward, by the time I was 17 and a half, I was sitting in jail facing 10 years in prison for armed robbery, second degree kidnapping. I was a junkie. I was a cocaine addict, an ecstasy addict. Um, you name it, I did it. I was a broken young man. I weighed 110 pounds. And, um, and I'll never forget so many nights when I would come home and, uh, and I would sneak back in the house and I would, lay, I would be wasted out of my mind, just plastered, and I would lay down in my bed. Listen, <laughs> I remember some nights where I'd be in the middle of the night knocked out and I remember my mama coming in with a hand full of Crisco oil and she would lay hands on me. Bro, shaka. Touch him, Lord. Straight up in the middle of the night. No games. Listen, there's power in the oil. Y'all better stop playing with me. <laughs> but check this out. But even more than those nights, the nights that I remember even more than those, were the nights I would be laying on my bed, the room would be spinning. And in the next room over, I could hear my mom on her knees crying out to God. Lord, if you don't touch this boy, I know what you promised whenever he was in my womb, Lord. You said that you have set him apart and you have appointed him as a prophet to the nations. Lord, I need you to arrest his heart. And I would hear my mom weeping and travailing and crying out for me. Can I tell you something? Every prayer we pray for our children, for our grandchildren, for our nieces and nephews, they don't fall on the deaf ears of a distant God. God hears every prayer. And guess what? Here's what's crazy. That child you love so much, God loves them even more. And God desires to be found by your child. God desires to be found by this generation. We just have to do our part, right? We just have to do our part. So, hey, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I, I want to take just a few moments here before we release you guys and let you go forward to change the world and raise these world changers Here's the deal. Earlier, whenever we had communion, you had an opportunity to say yes to salvation, to say yes to the gospel of Jesus. And some of you responded in that moment, and some of you maybe did not. But I would not, <laughs> I would not be doing my due diligence as a pastor, as a leader, to walk off the stage without giving that opportunity one more time for someone who may be far from God to say yes to salvation. The Bible says that all of us are born with a sin sickness that separates us from God. All right? On our very best day, on our very best behavior, the Bible says that, that our, our, our righteousness, our own righteousness is like filthy rags. It's a stench to the nostrils of a holy God. That's the, that's, that's the truth. That's the reality. We deserve to be separated from God for eternity, my friend. But the beauty of the gospel is that God so loved a broken world full of broken, jacked up people like you and like me that God sent his son Jesus to earth. He lived a sinless, blameless life, and he died a brutal death in our place. Why? So that those of us who were once slaves to our sin and enemies of the cross in an instant could be transformed into sons and daughters of a beautiful king. My friend, how will you respond today? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or even come forward, but I do want to lead you in a prayer. And right where you're at, right, right where you're at, here in this room or even online, I want you to pray this prayer from the depths of a sincere heart. And I know that according to the word of God, as you pray, the Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouths, that we shall be saved. So that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to call on God. And if you're here in this room and you know you need God, 
I want you to pray this prayer with me. It, it, it may sound something like this. God, it's me. You know who I am. I've made mistakes. I'm not perfect. In fact, I've broken your heart and I've broken your law. But today I realize and I believe that my life can change. So Jesus, I thank you for dying in my place, for raising from the dead. And I know, God, that, that you have the power to change me. So Jesus, I accept your sacrifice for my sin. Lord, I ask you into my life, forgive me, change my heart and change my mind. Holy Spirit, will you empower me from this day forward to live a life that brings honor and glory to your name? I don't want to live the way I used to live. I want to live a life that is different. So God, right now, according to your word and by faith, I believe, I believe and I know today that I am saved. Lord, thank you so much for loving me when I was unlovable. And I will live the rest of my life bringing honor and glory to your name. In the mighty matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, can we give God a shout in this place? Amen. Now here's what I want to do. I got just a, a quick minute. Here's what I want to do. If you're in this room, I feel the Spirit of God is kind of impressing this on me. If you're here and if you're a parent or even if you're not a parent, but if you know of a child or a young person or a teenager that's just on your heart, you've been thinking about that kid this whole message, that they need a touch from God. Maybe they're running from God. Maybe they're confused about things. If that's you, I want you just to stand up on your feet, uh, just in the gap for them. Come on, if you're a parent, if you're raising a teenager, you're raising a child, or maybe you're a grandmama or an aunt and, or an uncle, and we're gonna pray right now for God to be faithful to his word. Because the Bible says in the book of Joel that God will call forth our sons and daughters from the east, from the west, and from the north and south. So can we just pray together right now on behalf of these young people? Come on, let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your promises. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that, that, that you, you created the institution of family. And Lord, these young people, these students, these sons and daughters that we love so much, God, you love them even more. So God, right now, we just pray, Lord God, that you would convict and arrest their hearts for every wayward son, for every wayward daughter that is running from you, God. I pray that in the same way you knocked Saul off of that uh, horse, Lord God, on the road to Damascus, God, I pray that you would do the same for every young person. Lord, I pray, God, for every mother, for every grandmother that has been crying in the midnight hour. God, I pray that their hearts, Lord God, would be filled with peace, knowing the truth, Lord God, that you are already moving on behalf of that young person, God. Lord, we come against every lie of the enemy. We come against every dysfunctional relationship. We come against every distraction, anything that would rob our children, Lord, from walking in the imago day, from walking in the fullness of the truth, Lord God, that is in your word. God, we come against it right now. Lord, we ask, God, that you would send the right people across their paths, Lord. I pray, Lord, that they would, uh, that every one of us would take advantage of the opportunities that we offer here at Victory Church, joining small groups, Lord God, serving on teams, Lord. I pray, Lord, that as we provide these resources, God, and as we take advantage of these resources, Lord, we believe by faith, Lord God, that the blind eyes of this generation will be open to see the marvelous deeds of a heavenly father, Lord God, that dead things will come to life, Lord God, that destiny would be reawakened in the hearts of our children, Lord. Lord, we say, let it be. In the mighty, miraculous name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, if you love them, shout to the Lord. Amen.